0: Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith.
1: And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Wednesday, March 30th, and we're bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, but on demand like podcasts.
0: Here's the latest. Touchdown. American astronaut Mark VandeHei has just returned to Earth from the International Space Station aboard a Russian spacecraft. Despite historic tensions on the ground between Moscow and Washington, Vande and two cosmonauts landed safely together in Kazakhstan. Vande has been on the station for 355 days, the longest American spaceflight ever. Russia's head of space operations at one point suggested they might leave Vande behind on the station, but that idea thankfully was scrapped.
1: The January 6th committee is expected to interview Jared Kushner later this week about his knowledge of the insurrection at the Capitol. He will be the highest ranking member of Trump's administration and the first Trump family member to sit for an interview. Kushner is appearing voluntarily. The White House has said it will not assert executive privilege over his testimony. The U.S. and other Western countries are taking a skeptical attitude toward Russia, which says it's drastically scaling back its military activity in northern Ukraine, including the capital, Kyiv. The promise came out of peace talks in Istanbul on Tuesday that produced the most positive signal so far. However, Ukraine says Russian attacks continued overnight in the north. Here's what President Biden thinks of Russia's pledge. We'll see. I don't read anything into it until I see what
0: their actions are. The Times of London gives us a little insight into Vladimir Putin's words behind closed doors, and they're not nice. The Times reports that last week, Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich carried a handwritten note from Ukrainian President Zelensky to Putin asking for peace. Putin's response? Tell him I will thrash them. The U.S. has a
1: message for cryptocurrency exchanges. Do not try to help Russia evade financial sanctions. Speaking on CNBC, Deputy U.S. Treasury Secretary Wally Adeyemo had this warning for exchanges and other crypto dealers who might be looking to assist Moscow move money around.
0: We will hold you accountable. We will come and we will find you. We're updating those headlines as news happens until 1 p.m. Eastern, so keep checking in. Also,
1: coming up why vaccine makers are so slow to come up with new shots. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere, can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com/slash hybridwork. After more than 200 previous attempts, the United States has made lynching a federal hate crime. President Biden signed the Emmett Till Act at a White House ceremony on Tuesday. Vice President Harris said lynching is not a relic of the past. Racial acts of terror still occur in our nation. And when they do, we must all have the courage to name them and hold the perpetrators to account. Now, hate crimes that result in death or serious injury will be considered a lynching and be punishable by up to 30 years.
0: Remember Amazon Prime Air, Jeff Bezos' big plan to deliver packages within 30 minutes by drone? That was announced almost 10 years ago. Now, finally, Insider has learned that Amazon plans to ask 1,300 customers in California and Texas to test having their packages delivered by drone. This would be the program's largest commercial test yet. Documents obtained by Insider say all the packages delivered will be under 5 pounds, sorry, no anvils yet, and Amazon drones will deliver one item at a time within an hour
1: you've probably seen those TurboTax commercials advertising its free tax filing software, right? But if you've used the platform, you may have found it's not free for you. Well, the Federal Trade Commission announced Tuesday it is suing TurboTax for its misleading ads. That's because the FTC says, despite its persistent message, TurboTax is actually not free for two thirds of tax filers, including anyone who has income from gig work or farming. TurboTax says it will vigorously challenged the complaint.
0: Advertisers suing Facebook over its allegedly deceptive ad rates can proceed in a class action lawsuit. That's after a San Francisco judge's ruling on Tuesday. The lawsuit began in 2018 with a group of advertisers claiming that the company misled them about the reach of its ads, knowingly inflating the numbers by up to 400% and hiking its prices accordingly. The ruling will open the door for millions of advertisers to join in.
1: Ilaria Baldwin, oh, no, wait a second. Ilaria Baldwin has come out of her social media break to announce she's having another baby with her husband, Alec Baldwin. In an Instagram post, Ilaria says after a very rocky year, they're happy to announce a seventh Baldwinito is coming in the fall. Felicidades.
0: pour one out for the People's Convoy. The trucker group that traveled across the country to protest COVID restrictions in Washington, D.C. is returning to California. Inspired by Canada's Freedom Convoy, the People's Convoy failed to do anything meaningful in D.C. aside from disrupt some Beltway commuters and share conspiracy theories online. But weep not for the memories.
1: the COVID vaccines were developed faster than any other vaccine in history. Yet the drug companies behind them are still not built for speed when it comes to public health. They're slow-moving behemoths that are far more reactive than they are proactive. Insider's Hilary Breck reports on public health for Insider, and she says companies' unwillingness to plan ahead should scare us. But it's not all doom and gloom. There is some hope on the horizon. So what are some of the barriers to vaccine development? Why is it so hard? One reason that vaccines are really hard to make is because they are held
2: to a very high safety standard. You're working in healthy people. And so you want to be really careful to make sure that the vaccine is completely safe before it's ever put out into the public. And then the other reason that it's really hard to develop new vaccines is because Vaccine makers don't have a great incentive to develop a vaccine for something that may or may not ever occur. So before the coronavirus appeared, there was never an incentive really for a pharmaceutical company, you know, beholden to shareholders and wanting to make profit to try to really get ready for that
1: in a really meaningful way. So what would incentivize companies to become faster and more nimble?
2: I mean, I think we saw a really great example of that in the pandemic. The government promised that they would buy the vaccines even if they didn't work. Now, obviously, you know, the government can't do that every time, all the time for every disease. That would be unrealistic. But when you really need a vaccine and you need it fast, that does work to speed things up, to say, don't worry about taking this huge risk on something that might not work. We promise that we're gonna make it worth your while.
1: So again, you write that the glacial pace of vaccine development is concerning. Do we have any room to hope that it will get better?
2: Yeah, well, I think the big thing that people are really pinning their hopes on right now is of course the pan-coronavirus vaccines that the several researchers around the world are working on. What these vaccines could do, it would be more like a cocktail almost where you know you pick three or four different strains or three or four different coronaviruses, and you say, I think these are the ones, they all have important characteristics, and they seem like they'll help give us some stronger protection against multiple strains and potentially even multiple viruses for the next few years to come.
1: Hillary, I wonder what your big takeaway is from this reporting on vaccine development.
2: I think, you know, it it costs so much to develop vaccines, but the cost of being prepared for whatever might come our way next whether it's a coronavirus or you know ne- next year's flu or whatever it is is just not that much when you think about all of the suffering and the economic turmoil that you could prevent by just having a better understanding of what viruses do and where they might go next and just being a little more forward thinking. And so, you know, a lot of people in the vaccine space say, if we could just have like a hundred day preparedness plan where you would be able to get a new vaccine out in a hundred days, it's worth it in the long run. And, you know, A lot of these experts talked about this sort of like election cycle thinking of like, well, if there's only a pandemic every 100 years, then we can wait 50 more to get ready. And not only is that short sighted, but it also prevents you from discovering the next big breakthrough that you're not going to ever find unless you try to solve these problems.
1: Thanks for joining us on the refresh, Hillary. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hillary Breck covers public health for Insider. Be sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on your favorite podcast apps, or better yet, go to insider.com slash the refresh to use our custom designed player. We also want to hear from you. Reach us at therefresh at insider.com.
0: I'm Dave Smith.
1: And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Thanks for listening to The Refresh from Insider.